Flat Black Plastic on MutinyRadio.fm. But it used to be it. Well, it used to be that the stockkeepers worked pretty freely with the mechanics and the foreman. We'd kind of stay close to each big job and, well, be kind of a free agent. Be sure the fellas had the material and tools they needed in time to keep the job from being held up. Hosley pauses before responding, hoping that Maxwell will carry the ball further himself. This does not happen, however. It's uh, different now? Oh, heck, Mr. Hosley, it's no secret that Burquist has made us a bunch of flunkies just like everybody else in the place. All we do is follow steps one, two, three. We sit in our cages and fill out material orders when the foremen say they want anything. It seems that some rather strong feelings have been tapped. Hosley decides to explore, but cautiously. Tell me a little more, then. I'm not quite with you. It's part of the whole reason why I'm leaving. The individual guy just doesn't count around here anymore. Berkowitz has made us a bunch of payroll numbers, and nobody cares about any of us as persons anymore. On this change in the storekeeper's job, I guess he figures, or somebody figured, that we were wasting too much time by being out on the floor with the men. That isn't the worst part of it. Everything the company has done for the last few months since Berkowitz took over has been to make the employee a working stiff who isn't supposed to do anything unless he's told to. The question now is how much data Maxwell has to support his point. Is this really a well-thought-out observation or a superficial complaint? Could uh, you give me some more examples, Len? Well, like the way we used to order stuff before. All three of us in the pump section could order anything we wanted to up to $500 when we knew the job would need it. Now, before we can order anything, if it isn't in the store catalogs, even if it only costs a nickel, we have to get approval from purchasing. manager of marketing research. Doesn't mean as much as it would here, of course, since it's a pretty small department. But still, I have a lot more to say about how we plan our research projects than I have here at Tableau. Barker notes that this last comment was freely volunteered. That is the fact that Stevens would have more say about things. Is this perhaps significant? To get some expansion, he just restates what Stevens said. You'll have a bigger part in running the show. Right. I guess that's something everybody wants. Barker stays silent. This often produces additional information or show of feeling. At least it's something I'm looking for. Barker has the message pretty clearly now. If Stevens wants to expand on the subject, Barker will cheerfully and understandingly stay with him. But there's no point to Barker's keeping it going, since for his purpose, he's had enough of a picture of Stevens' need for power and authority. I see what you mean. Say, Jack, getting back to Tableau, what did you think about the salary we were paying you here?
Fucker. Open wide. Fucker. Open wide. exercises are not guaranteed to produce extreme beauty, but they will add to the youthfulness of
flat black plastic people thanks for listening support the station support your community do the right thing Scopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com. Timstesseract.com. So you want to be a comic? It's not as easy as we make it look. But that's because Mutiny Radio has eight hours a week of open mic stage time for all your comedy workout needs. Strain those improv muscles every Sunday from four to six at Getting Sketchy with David Stolowitz. Press out those new jokes every Monday, six to eight on Joke Workshop. Birds, right? Where on the other hand, geese... Right? They're only crime equally as mean. Claw Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Claw Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Terrace, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Chromatic Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834.
1969 gold Cadillac with the white interior. Oh. Up here. And I started to do some thinking. Around in it on the freeway, and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black glass. Smoking big spliffs and cruising. Saturday, noon to two. On the freeway. Good I am I'm a total Colonel Blake, Henry, yeah, Charlie here, yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your, uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even going to be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. 
Counteroffer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counteroffer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counteroffer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counteroffer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at Subliminal SF dot myshopify.com that's subliminal sf dot myshopify.com and experience subliminal sf hey you open micer in san francisco comedy scene Maybe you want time to do jokes. Well, this is the place to do it. Mutiny Radio. We have three open mic a week just for you. Monday's joke workshop from 6 to 8. Come and get four minutes and four minutes of commentary from your comedian peers. Come on Fridays for happy hour 6 to 8 here at Mutiny Radio. All the comics, wonderful, hilarious people in the scene. Get to know them. Hang out. Do a set. Have it recorded here on a podcast at mutinyradio.fm and come in on Saturdays from 4 to 6. Get long sets because no one ever shows up. So it's like stage time and people can listen. Come on by to Mutiny Radio. Get your comedy on, baby. Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the Edge of Insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh, Kit Marie, Brandon Ray, and Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, PCRcollective.org. We'll see you there. Thanks. Annie. Can you hear me? Welcome to High Spirits. 
days while coming home What do you want me to do To see you through That was a little bit of American Beauty there. Welcome to High Spirits. We are starting almost on time today. High Spirits, uh, your show that's ostensibly about sobriety. And what what was that word? Sobriety? The one before it. Ostensibly. (laughs) What, What does that mean? Like... Presumably, uh, uh, what, what, are you, what are you, a lawyer or something? Presu- wait, presumably, gonna... what, what's the other word? Ostensibly, apparently, it's apparently. You're going to talk to us with 25 cent words tonight, is that it? My co-host is here. Uh, Want to introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Pegasus. Pegasus, that's what, all right, Pegasus. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Pegasus, I'm your co-host Along with Pegasus, my name is uh, Jay Quellen. Forgot for a second. You're here. You've joined us on High Spirits on MutinyRadio.fm. Sup, Jay? What's up, P? Um, it's just us in the studio today, which is actually a change of pace. Not such a bad thing. I think it's uh, yeah, it's a good opportunity to just riff and uh, Pegasus and I we ain't seen each other for a while, uh, aka a couple days, um, aka uh, yeah. So um, we got a lot of catching up to do. Plus, we got this awesome packed show for y'all, and yeah, we're gonna. I have some ideas of uh, some conversational things i'll throw them out there just things that have been going on and wanted to check in on some stuff i was up to uh in the tenderloin today Uh and some observations there um so yeah that's what's going on groovy just uh in a short time we'll be there I never took you for a Grateful Dead fan. Oh, yeah, Deadhead. Did you go to concerts and nope. wear tie-dye and drop acid? And- I have one Grateful Dead t-shirt that I bought on Valencia Street at San Fran Cycle. Get out there, y'all. San Fran Cycle, support it if it's still in business. I don't even know if it's San still in Fran business. San Fran San Fran Cycle in this case. Yes, there's San Fran too, which I think is uh, like a clothing brand or something that also made a beer in conjunction with uh, the brewery uh, Anchor Steam. Yeah, it's like one of those Dolores Park kind of, you know, t-shirt places. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah, San, Fran- with us. San Francisco is on Dolores, uh, on Valencia around 20th Street, I think. It's near the Chrome uh, retail store, and they design and produce all their shirts in San Francisco and they're all about bicycle themes. So <clears throat> the dead shirt that I have that I love to wear is uh has a has a bicycle wheel with its spokes in the in the head, the ske- the the skull in the skull. Whoa. So um they make that all kinds painful. of bike related apparel. They even have apparel for like babies and 2-year-olds and stuff. Um, I mean, are babies old enough to, you know, properly make that decision? Or are they being indoctrinated into the life of a deadhead? Achtung, baby. (laughs) Homage to those of you who listen to 
a certain podcast. Um, Pegasus, wait, what? What? What did you say? What? What? Homage to babies or? I have no idea what you're talking about. All right. So San Francisco psycho cycle. But um, yeah, I love the dead. And uh, I think we talked about this. uh, Yeah, we talked about it a couple shows ago that there is a community of sober uh, deadheads that emerged right when the band, you know, was doing their thing, having all these concerts and all the followers and stuff. And they're they're called the Wharf Rats and they have a sober corner, sober circle at every show. And they have their own meeting in San Francisco, actually. Um, I've so, been. Have you? Oh, yeah. I, I, I have, actually. Well, I can say that I actually spoke at it once. That was the first time I ever went. Nice. And I, and I did go again and very friendly and a lot of dead tattoos and stuff like that. Um, so interesting. Yeah. If you're. And some of that old time religion. Oh yeah. But this is like, like the dead (laughs) religion. Um, the religion of the dead. Yeah. People are like, uh, I'm a wharf rat, you know, this and that. I, I think it's cool. It's, it's cool. Um, there's also, Oh, that's, that's a topic. Um, or that relates to something that I was talking to, my sister about the other day or she brought it up she sent me an email um actually let me sit down um give give us a second folks i'm gonna put some music on while i get a chair here get back to the dead friend of the devil Coming back at you. There we go. Sitting down. You can control it from there also. Sitting down. Learning the learning the mixer from Pegasus, who is has a very high aptitude for the sound stuff in here. It yeah, it's all stems from Dane Bramage. <laughs> Cool. So, uh, all right. Welcome to High Spirits, 10, 11 p.m. If you're up this late and listening to us, uh, I don't know what you're what you're doing on a Friday night, you know. Well, hopefully you're uh, stone cold sober, had a nice dinner. But maybe you plan to go out dancing, you know, at the Midway or something like that after midnight. I don't know what y'all night owls are up to, but... Speaking of night owls, I did, I was sort of thinking about Pegasus, about uh, sharing today a little bit about um, all the kinds of uh, fun things that I slash you slash we do and that people can get up to um, in the mission, you know, that we're, you know, I'm not, I'm not drinking anymore and I have so much fun. I've my uh my whole uh sort of social life is really the gravity has been the mission district for 
15 years, basically, whether or not I lived in San Francisco and still come out every weekend when I lived in other parts of the Bay Area. So I was just thinking about how much fun I've been having at different places, venues, um, spots, restaurants, and with friends in the mission. So I was just sort of thinking about, hey, well, I'm having all this fun not drinking, you know? It's a place that one can go. I mean, I spend 98% of my non-home, non-work time at in the mission. Um, yeah, exactly. There you go. I go to meetings there. I meet friends for food and coffee there. It's... Uh, there's a lot of the entertainment I go to. I, I go to the Roxy, Alamo Draft House, uh, various other cultural institutions, and it's all right there. Um, my neighborhood, not as much attraction there, so I'm I'm here all the time. It's great. It's the um, heart of San Francisco. And <clears throat> sort of, I suppose, a little bit on the edge maybe a little right off the edge of the mission. Um, speaking of like night owls and getting up to fun stuff last night, I was up late and needed to just sort of felt like I needed to eat something, even though I don't even know if I was really that hungry. That's first world problems. Um, and I was, you know, there's no late night eats in San Francisco. There's nowhere to go. I mean, it's un completely unsurprising when a restaurant closes its door at, at 9 p.m. Uh, yeah, exactly. You guys know, right? Unless you're in Australia or something. Yeah. Um, or Mozambique. But, uh, yeah, stuff closes really early. You know, really what I recommend to people would be Beretta um, at, I think, 23rd in Valencia or Nopa, which is open, or Shamama. And those places close, like, uh, maybe... 11 midnight one o'clock two o'clock depending on the uh the day like thursday friday saturday or which restaurant but definitely open much later than your typical restaurant and the quality of food there is very high so it's not like going for some junky pizza or uh you know no offense to taquerias but i've eaten <clears throat> tons and tons and tons but uh <clears throat> those are always good spots too good value but I did discover this place. I wonder if you know it, Pegasus. It's called It's Tops Coffee House. It's Tops. It's on Market Street. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Have you been there? Oh, many times. Oh, there you go. I mean, it's, it's my great. new jam. I mean, well, I hope it's my new jam. Like with, I suppose, really like my one friend who I would be hanging out with late at night, bullshitting, looking for a donut shop like. We would, we would be going to Bob's or Happy Donuts. Happy Donuts is depressing AF. Bob's is great, but it's not really a place to like hang out. Um, but this It's Tops place, yeah, I've driven by it for many, many times, and I didn't know what it was. And I went in. It's a beautiful little diner. Um, and uh, yeah, so yeah. I got I got some of the best pancakes that I've ever had in my life. Honestly, I mean. It's a great breakfast place for sure. All all night breakfast. Um, Old school. It was eggs, o eggs over yeah. easy sausage. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I had a malted vanilla shake and pancakes. Yeah, that's me, guys. <laughs> um, I do not cook, but uh, it was super tasty. The service was really great. Nobody was in there. Uh, they were just just uh, 
flipping tiddlywinks. Um, and they're, they're open till all hours, aren't they? said 3 a.m. last night. But I think on the weekend, weekends, I think they're open super late. And they said they get really busy when the bars close. Yeah. Um, but, you know, really good reviews. And uh, my, my gut tells me that the food quality is pretty high for the Greasy Spoon. Um, so I'm definitely going to go back. But uh, it's tops. I was just cruising around. Everything was dead. And I suppose on a Thursday night at 1.30, I mean, even the, yeah, the bars are closing. So there's really nothing to do. Nope, except uh, go out for pancakes. Go out for pancakes. On a Friday Um, night. Yeah. Um, But uh, back to uh, the dead Wharf Rats thing, um, that group that we have, uh, we talked about briefly before. Um, that is, as I mentioned, the Wharf Rats are the, a sober, um, community of, of deadheads. And, um, my sister sent me a really interesting email about, uh, straight edge. Pegasus, do you know about straight edge? Just the term or is there a group? Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, yeah. Tell me. I mean, so there's a term, what does straight edge invoke for you? What does it mean? To, what do you think it means or what does it mean to you? Or have you used it or has anybody ever called you straight edge? No, I've mostly heard it, um, from, you know, people in their teens or twenties who had, uh, you know, had a bad experience with drugs or alcohol kind of crashed and, you know, got in trouble with their family or the police or both. And then they, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really aware of, you know, programs at the time. So all I just know is that they kind of like made a vow to themselves to be straight edge, to be sober. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like they would make jokes about, you know, etching the word straight edge on their, their forehead or something to remind oh, themselves. Yeah. And so you do. Okay. It's like a really hardcore kind of associated with the, with the punk scene, but I, I hung out with, okay. you know, in the punk scene. That's it. You hit the nail on the head. That's what, uh, she sent me information about straight edge, um, where it came from connection to the punk scene. So, uh, <clears throat> straight edge, uh, sometimes signified by XXX or X is a subculture originated from hardcore punk whose adherents refrain from using alcohol, tobacco, and other recreational drugs in reaction to the excesses of punk culture, subculture, just like the Wharf Rats, I think, in the dead culture. I wonder what other musical communities, like maybe the classical music community has has a subculture of uh, acid trippers, you know, right? Like in response to how sober and stuffy all the classical music listeners are. I could totally be wrong. If you're a classical music listener and you're wild and you have insights, please call us at 415-550-0511. Set me straight. Uh, you don't have to implicate Pegasus in this judgment. Um, cla- I do think classical music people are so straight edge. I I think you will discover soon that that you are completely wrong. So uh, just the the final thing is the term itself, straight edge. I had no idea. Um, was adopted from the 1981 song Straight Edge by hardcore punk band Minor Threat. Maybe we oh, can yeah. throw it on. Um, and wait, yeah, what? what am I wearing tonight? Oh, yeah. What are you? Minor Threat. Yeah. 
Oh my God. This is insane. That's a, Hey, that's a coincidence. If I've ever seen one, oh, no, that's a God oh, no. shot. If I've ever oh, seen one, no, what good there. orderly direction. Um, that is unreal. Pegasus is wearing a, a t-shirt with funk punk bands, including minor threat, minor threat. I'm blown away. Um, oh, yeah. Could we cue up the, the song? Um, and at some point, like it doesn't have to be now, but just well, be good to have a musical interlude at some point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll play it when we take a break. Uh, at, at your discretion. Sure Minor enough. threat. Um, San Fran Cycle, Grateful Dead, Bicycle Spoke T-shirts, and my co-host Pegasus wearing the Minor Threat shirt as we're discussing the Straight Edge movement. So <laughs> they coined the term Straight Edge. And growing up, yeah, people talked about it in, in grade school, middle school, probably more in middle school and high school, like, Oh, you're such a straight edge or, um, really like that people calling me straight edge. And I was a prep preppy guy, you know, um, I was straight edge, but I, I, I did listen to, um, some mainstream punk music. Um, Hey, does anybody remember the album punks and Drublick? I don't even know if punk people consider that a punk punk band. Um, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, so people called me straight edge because I tucked in my sweaters and I got straight A's. But I had no idea, no one ever intimated or or suggested to me, my peers, that straight edge came from, uh, was a punk subculture of sobriety. I didn't even know it was associated with sobriety. I thought it was like like get, being a goody two-shoes. Well, I would say that in addition to, you know, being all fuck you to authority and and society in general, they were probably also fuck you to the sober community of Alcoholics Anonymous. You think so? Yeah, because that, that would also be too, you know, goody two shoes and square <laughs> okay. to them. So they had to pick their own name for it. Yeah. And they, they ha- it had to be punk. It had to be, you know, fucked up in some way, um, you know, like, like you had to be completely straight edge and if you even smoked you know took a puff off of a friend's cigarette um you you had broken your your straight edge yeah actually run. to to that point there was a counter counter movement that emerged called bent edge oh. and bent edge is that person who felt it was okay in the punk scene of straight edge subculture to um take that drag off the cigarette Take that occasional puff. Also, I just wanted to mention that there was a strong association with um, the subculture of straight edge, even with you know participants or adherents to vegetarianism and animal rights and veganism and stuff like that. So that was fascinating to me. You know, I think of punks. I mean, I have some familiarity with the music or I had some friends who were maybe into that scene. Um, I can't really say that I'm too expert at it but i do somehow associate punks with like skinheads and intolerance and i don't know why that is where did that come from american history x is that where i saw that yo fuck you yeah um but i love i mean there's uh, yeah there's been great punk music that i've heard such as bad brains american history x came a pretty long time after the punk where was the sex pistols punk uh, Sex Pistols. Um, oh, the Ramones. The Ramones. No, yeah. I mean technically, yeah, they're they're kind Jackie's of pop, poppy. Jackie's a punk. Judy's a punk. They even say punk. They, <laughs> they're pretty pop music. Okay, uh, that's compared, what it is compared with is, like um, hardcore punk. Is Blink One Eighty Two punk? 
What? <laughs> is uh, fuck you, uh, man. Rancid is punk, right? Uh, yeah. not really. Oh, jeez. Never really checked them man, out. Have I been living a lie? <laughs> a big straight edge lie. Punk existed from like I don't know the mid seventies until like nineteen eighty one or eighty two, and everything that came after that, they're all oh, posers. Post punk. They're posers. They're you know like Green Day. Come on, that's just a rock band that's posing. Well, that's alternate, alternative, alternative. You wouldn't believe how many people have said, "Oh yeah, I'm into punk. I listen to Green Day." And, and Offspring I'm like, too. Fuck you. I think people would say Offspring. They're like, "Oh yeah," but. That reminded me of, yeah, so so basically, the other runts in the litter, the other kids I was growing up with, like the skaters and stuff who called me, well, they're not the only ones who called me straight edge, but it was it was wrong. It was, it was hey, not, straight edge. It was not used correctly because I'm not in the punk scene. <laughs> so I was getting called straight edge for no good reason. Maybe they were just kind of generalizing it yeah. to, to say that you looked straight oh and, yeah a lgbtqr code um <laughs> as opposed to oh boy that's a whole thing i listened to uh the new dave Chappelle netflix special which i think is like people i think have found it to be very controversial and offensive uh and i will say that i really enjoyed it and there is a whole thing about the LGBTQ community and stuff like that. And I went down the rabbit hole of like, what do all the letters mean? And um, then I discovered that today, the most comprehensive thing that I saw was LGBTQQIAA+. That was the most, that's currently the most comprehensive. Most inclusive. Um, yes. Before, you know, let's say it was just G or something, right? Or Q. And here's what I learned. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, um, queer or questioning, QQ. People have been um, using just the one Q and meaning questioning or meaning queer. This is what I read. And um, anecdotally from other people that I know. So QQ, double Q. Double Q. I is intersex. Mm. And A is asexual. And the other A is something else. But, oh man, in that I'm not including some other things such as pansexual, panromantic, aromantic. There's so much stuff. I saw somebody on um, Hinge the uh, today that came up uh, and... Um, the, the, there was something new and, and very timely, uh, having researched this, uh, the, uh, all this stuff post Dave Chappelle controversial comedy set, um, where he talks about, you know, the LGBT community. He says it's like the alphabet people or something like that. Anyways, I wanted to get more educated on, um, what they all mean and how people like self-identify and stuff like that. Well, that's cool. That's a, that's a, that's, I think that's a smart thing to do. I mean, they're, they're, it's hard to be right about it all the time, but it's good to be just, you know, be open and uh, have an open heart. Because, um, you know, a lot of people from communities of, uh, you know, from the queer communities, communities of color, they're, they're, they don't feel welcome. They don't feel like the, the world is necessarily open to them. And 
I think it's good to throw a little love their way and, you know. Oh, yeah. The other, uh, one of the A's that's thrown in in the comprehensive one is ally. Asexual ally. Hmm. I I was surprised. So that was thrown in the mix. And the plus is like for everything that hasn't come out yet or hasn't been covered. Um, And uh, I will say, so on the heels of that, Dave Chappelle followed by going down the rabbit hole and learning about what the quote, you know, the community or the movement, you know, on the web is uh how how it they're representing themselves um maybe officially or branding or whatever and then on the hinge profile this person had a comment about a romantic pansexual so this person was um you know said that they're looking for looking for love a pansexual a- friendship and an a romantic I don't know man I was no confused. attachments I was confused they won't they want sex with everybody with no attachments I don't know good for them no 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 they were ace okay asexual pan romantic I don't know anyways so sue me folks um so yeah so yeah lots of different things and then on the on that topic you know connecting it to sobriety um there is uh there are uh, meetings all kinds of meetings out there men's meetings women's meetings um young people's meetings and we meant the aforementioned uh deadhead meetings the wharf rats and uh there's uh all kinds of meetings um and also there are gay meetings and there's places where um, people who are, you know, identify as gay or perhaps, you know, other members of the LGBTQ community have safe spaces and, and interest affinity groups around meetings. And I've gotten to attend um, when I when I was exploring the San Francisco scene, um, meeting scene, I uh, I definitely put a lot of I, I, I went to. Um, um, one of the fellowships in the Castro and, and, uh, tried out all these different kinds of meetings, including, uh, gay meetings. And it was cool. Yeah. It's not, not in my repertoire these days, but did you feel welcomed? Yeah. Yeah. Over. I mean, my, the short answer is yes. I think that, um, and you know, I guess, I mean, I suppose, I mean, I identify, yeah, I identify pretty straight edge, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Um, that doesn't mean what you think it means. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're just mixing malapropisms, just mixing stuff up, anachronisms, malapropisms. But uh, I did overall, yeah, I felt it was welcoming. I thought there was a lot of cool insights. I mean, dude, we're all, we're all human beings. And, but uh, of course there's unique stuff in uh different lifestyles and experiences and romance and all that kind of stuff and i there were definitely things where i didn't feel as uh didn't feel that some things were as relatable but a lot but i think mostly it was the kind of topics and things that came up were very familiar and relatable and it's all part of our broader community so it's you know it's it's just another meeting but it's really cool that there are all these interest groups in fact um yeah well um yeah so yeah it's uh 
there's there's meetings for everybody um, in this town, I- including uh, well, AA is known for being very uh, you know very much about uh, having a higher power, and there are meetings for people who don't have higher powers, yeah. and that's a good thing. Yeah, there's meetings in Spanish. There's oh, meetings yeah. in uh, there's a I think there's a Croatian meeting, um, or yeah. Uh, anyways, there there are meetings in a variety of different languages. There's um, meetings for people of color. There's meetings for um, right for gay folks, for lesbians, for people who want to meditate, for people who are Buddhist. Um, there's refuge recovery. There's life oh, ring, yeah, smart which is recovery, yeah. smart recovery. Life ring, which is I guess sort of a cognitive <clears throat> behavioral therapy that comes with a workbook and stuff and it's all there's a lot to choose from here and that's really kind of remarkable i guess it's what you'd expect in 2019 that there's uh just a lot to choose you know there's a it's a big smorgasbord you don't have to go with the one size fits all aa um you know prescription of you know go to traditional meetings and uh you know and stick with that program you can choose what works for best for you and and you don't have to worry about whether other people will judge you for it because you'll be doing your own thing. Um, thanks for sharing about all those. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, um, yeah, all the different ways. I was, I just subjected one of my friends uh, to, well, my roommate, um, who's a good friend, um, to just, I just was, we, well, we were in a discussion. Maybe I wasn't torturing him, but he, he was a willing participant in an like hours long discussion about recovery and the program and my experience and other people's experiences and just all kinds of stuff. And I mean, he's a normie and uh, we've talked about that normal people are not addicts and alcoholics, <laughs> but uh, and have like a healthy relationship or just a low key relationship with that stuff. But um so it was uh, really in depth and actually um, super cool. Some some cool things ca- came up. Um, my mom says, "Do not repeat one thing too many times. Just make sure and remember." Am I repeating myself? <laughs> That's um, she's listening. I think and- between the two of us, we've <laughs> gone back and forth oh. over some of the same territory a few times. Oh, yeah. that's what she's saying. Normies and Grateful Dead. Oh my God. She's such a, she's an avid listener and she's checking me right now. On- One of these days we're going to work up an agenda before we sit down in front yeah. of the microphones. Yeah, we will. Um, and, but just wanted to, yeah, this is like a stream of consciousness today, but, um, yeah, today talked about, we got into talking about, you know, does it work for everyone? How does it work? What else is out there? So, yeah, I think uh, my, I was talking about uh, rehab became a big point, a focal point of the conversation. And I was sharing with him about all this stuff I've learned anecdotally about rehab. And um, I don't have any experience with it, but inevitably in the rooms and, and in this journey, in this wonderful journey of sobriety and recovery, um, you people have had experiences in uh, rehab facilities, whether 
they are community-based or private organizations, you know, nonprofit, for-profit, whatever. And um, I definitely have a, I have a mixed feelings about the industry and um, all the offerings out there. And I was expressing that, and he was like, hey, you know what? A lot of what you're saying and talking about was co- is covered in a in one of the John Oliver late night. Uh, John Oliver, uh, you know, he has some show on HBO. Oh, right? he's that guy with the uh, the fake British accent, yeah. who claims to be from Great Britain. Yeah, I guess so. And was on an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, um, actually. Oh, uh, is that show still produced? I don't know. I think they did a season nine or eight. I don't know if it's gonna. They're gonna come out with another season. But um, so John Oliver did a really great. I hope you guys, if anybody's listening out there, <laughs> I hope uh, you guys will go look up on YouTube. Just look up the keywords John Oliver Rehab, and you know he he pulls all these. Um, Stories from, say, Vice or uh, Frontline and all these interviews that other people have done. And he, you know, he's really, it was a critique. I mean, it's an understatement to say that he was providing a very strong rebuke and critique of what is an unregulated industry. So some of the fun facts he threw out was that there were 14,500 rehab centers across the United States. So, and that it's grown very rapidly over the last 10, 15 years. Um, and that the industry is a $35 billion industry in the country. Dude, we're totally missing out on this with what we know. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) unfortunately there are these traditions in, in the program that prohibit prohibit us presumably from making a profit off of um oh pegasus just passed me my Lacroix. and by the way thank you pegasus for getting me tots and ketchup <laughs> from our favorite spot and they're ex- especially crunchy even though they're at room temperature now yeah. they're even crunchier than than when they're hot out of the fryer well that's because we dipped them in shellac before oh, we brought them excellent over. Yeah. lacquer lacquer um oh on that note i got my first mani pedi in my life uh, in in uh, in the neighborhood, oh, last week when I was off for Labor Day weekend, uh, I just mentioned that because I think they put a clear coat or shellac or something on people's nails, and I was like, they asked me sort of with some trepidation, and I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. I'm gonna just go with uh, no no uh, uh, veneer or uh, shiny whatever. So what you're telling us, you went all the way to the brink and then you said no? Went to the brink. Jeez. Um, so $35 billion industry and unregulated. And they really focused on all the unscru- unscrupulous operators out there. Um, citing, they they invo- um, showed us, you just got to go and watch it, but uh, advertising. Yeah. Yeah, we could play it, but it's a 20-minute segment. Maybe if we run out of things to do, we could play towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, just the audio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For sure. If we decide to end early, we can just play that as our outro. (laughs) Um, But uh, I have a tater in my hand right now, and I really just don't want to stop talking and just eat it. I'm salivating. But um, I'll just just say that uh, the the rehab thing... um, it, it confirmed a lot of 
stuff that I had learned or gleaned anecdotally from compatriots and through um, work I've done, I think, you know, there's this whole thing called H&I, Hospitals and Institutions, and it's where you bring meetings into, not rehabs per se, I don't really know, maybe they do, but but to, no, actually, it's like to uh, veteran VA run meetings, uh, state prisons, federal prisons, recovery homes that are related to um, maybe some government related uh, diversion program or something like that. So mm-hmm. anyways, um, uh, what he cited like all these interviews with all these people who came across as major douchebags that own these rehabs, like in Malibu and LA and, and, and that charge $70,000 one place, uh, apparently charges $70,000 per month. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. And offers like, you know, he was he was poking fun at things like equine therapy. Hi, I don't know, hydrotherapy, um, y- you know, yoga, all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, all this stuff. I'm sure he was saying so many things can be therapeutic, but are they coming from an evidence based, you know, approach? Um, and, you know, that's a whole perhaps a whole other topic, because, you know, are you saying you would turn down a, a hands on prayer healing? prayer healing would you uh, do they do that i i would assume it's out there having grown up uh in a community that offered that sort of mm. thing i'm i'm i would not be surprised to find wow. that there's a rehab yeah, center sure, that, right. that's faith-based mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah totally totally yeah absolutely then let me google that for you they actually didn't talk about the uh, the faith-based side but but basically they really they really focused on these douchebags running these seventy thousand dollar rehabs that's like two and a half grand a day and i mean that's that's more expensive than my habit was (laughs) dude i mean that's yeah that's uh yeah um and you know they're talking about no standards uh no clinicians involved um no regulation also that you know what are the motives you know there's a profit motive um and that you know, maybe even there's there may be insidiousness in some rehabs to want people to relapse and come back and spend another thirty, forty thousand dollars on rehab. And it got me thinking about in this conversation with my roommate, what a desperate position that we're in, you know? And this ad comes on for a rehab and it says, Why haven't you called us? Here's our toll free number. You need to come here. We'll we'll help you solve your um, alcohol and addiction problems. And um, I mean, I was thinking, wow, what a desperate situation. If I was sitting there and I was just just down and out, you know, I don't know, suicidal or crying or whatever, just hopeless. And I saw that and I called them and like, I really don't know what I'm getting myself into. Um, and then as a as an exercise, I was just thinking about um, how much money am I spending in the program, you know, right? Well, so not not a lot of money compared to $70,000 for 30 days. And what I, what I came up with, okay, I, I, I will or won't go into the details, but okay. I'm just, I'm just saying somebody who came in and has, has stayed or has, is, you know, sober for 30 years by my estimate has spent a maximum of $7,500 through, 
through, uh, you know, a seventh tradition of I'm, I, here's what I was assuming. One dollar a meeting, five meetings a week, 50 weeks a year for 30 years, plus a ten dollar big book. The big book costs ten dollars. <laughs> OK, but now I want to I want to have some caveats. I'm not saying that we're in an evidence based you know, program and I have researched PubMed periodically to try to understand um, I don't really concern myself too much with it, but I am interested in, in learning about, you know, um, you know, doctors refer people to AA, judges in courtrooms refer people to AA, rehabs refer people to AA, the Salvation Army refers people to AA, you know, and it's sort of like, you know, what is, what else is out there? And it's like, um, I know I'm all over the place, but it was just very exciting. Therapy is super important. You know, it, oh, sorry, it was important for me. I'll say that, mm. um, cognitive behavioral therapy, anger management, um, mindfulness meditation, Vipassana specifically, um, AA, um, all of this was like a full court press. I wasn't just doing one thing and man, that shit saved my ass, you know? And yeah. Yeah. And therapy was a big, big part of it. And I guess I would just through this whole conversation with my roommate and watching the John Oliver thing and thinking about the controversies that I feel in my heart about the rehab industry. Um, and, uh, and, you know, again, Hey, if any, if anyone has experience with that and is listening to us or has any comments, you know, call us at four one five 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 zero zero five one one and tell us about your rehab experiences. Maybe we should have somebody on, um, that has rehab experience. I figure I've spent about three grand over the past six years. Um, I, I tend to put a little, what, oh, like six, you're three, generous, like three or four bucks, uh, per meeting. Um, so I, I Googled, uh, re faith-based rehab hmm. and first the ads come up and, um, I won't call out the names of the centers, but I'll uh, I'll read some. Hey, of why their... not? Free speech radio. No, it's your your choice. No, I don't want to yeah. be connected. You know, oh, or have them calling us, or it's not Thank like you. A, an endorsement or anything. You're so right, Pegasus. Yeah. So uh, get this on the, the very first ad. It says same day admission is possible. Drug and alcohol rehab center in somewhere in California. Our location and exclusiveness is hard to beat. Maximum of six clients per resident. What does that mean exactly? Six six clients in a hacienda? Like, do you get your own separate? Oh, private rooms, cell and laptop friendly, licensed and accredited, whatever that means. Luxurious private rooms. How licensed nice. and accredited? I wonder what that is. Insurance verification form to fill oh, out. Mm -hmm. uh, That's what John Oliver was talking about, too, is that he said that I look forward to digging in, into all of this, but I'm taking him at his word, folks, right now. And... He said that under the Bush administration, that there was a lot of, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but policies instituted to get insurance companies to cover uh, rehab-related expenses. And, um, and then that was extended under Obama as well. This is what John Oliver said. So then he got into the whole thing about milking insurance or bilking insurance. And also he got into this whole thing about how much... P-testing urine cups, urine analysis makes for for rehabs. Um, there's this whole market with the testing companies, and they're oh, making yeah. a ton of money. And, yeah, anyways. Uh, it's yeah. absurd. It's, uh, a, like, just to get P-testing done here in San Francisco, it it can, you know, you can spend $100. Wow. I, I think there's, like, bulk 
plans. But what's the, the for me, the greatest cliche that comes to mind when I think about rehab is is a, t- a television cliche, a trope of, you know, the the wealthy, uh, yeah. you know, kid from a family who's got his cell phone and he's ordering up Coke and weed, you know, while while he's, you know, getting somebody else to pee in the cup for him and yeah, you know, some Laguna Beach, something. Totally. It's like a, you know, it's just sort of like a vacation, a freewheeling vacation for the wealthy. I, I do agree that that's like. a stereotype and a, and a prominent media representation. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine that there's people who go to a rehab and they get a lot from it. Like, Oh, yeah. I don't want to completely trash it. And I would love for somebody to call in and share about their positive or negative experiences we do meet a lot of people in meetings in the bay area who come from rehab centers Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of um i think state funded rehab centers and you know like uh, insurance funded and so these are for people who couldn't afford seventy thousand dollars for 30 days of of rehab these are people who you know desperately needed the help Mm -hmm. and their medi-cal plan covered it or their you know whatever Obamacare insurance plan they had covered it. And, and some of them show up and they get it. They get the idea of, of, of sobriety and, and, you know, doing whatever particular program they're doing and they, you know, and they keep coming back and some of these people have stayed in for years. Um, Oh, sure. It's really nice. Yeah. It's sort of like, I think probably I can only imagine that one thing, quote, we would say in the community is like, well, whatever brought you in and whatever's working for you, that's probably within um, some ethical guidelines and doing no harm to other people and improving yourself, like whatever works. Um, yeah. But I was thinking that uh, I can only imagine that I, I, I'm just going to venture a guess that most of these rehabs or sober living experiences are twelve influenced by the 12 step programs or 12 step based. I mean, I've definitely seen that they encourage their clients, participants, members to go out to meetings, you know, get, get slips signed, things like that. So, so they are putting some faith in stock in the program. And I, I've also seen in my limited experience going in to do service work that, uh, there are counselors like LCSWs, license, uh, something social workers, social workers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and MFTs and and <clears throat> other people who are encouraging that as well and offering, I think, counseling and therapy and other supportive services. Uh, yeah. Um. But I I also heard. I mean, I don't know. I've just like I suppose that I have formulated this opinion. This is my opinion um, based on whatever information that I have that there is this dark side to it. And I guess, I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm just sharing about what's what, where I'm coming from. And I suppose I do have this kind of like, I, I could be wrong. Um, but like this, this militancy, <laughs> Pegasus won't be surprised. I think that's sort of like, you got to just come into the program and keep your head down and do this thing. You don't need to go to rehab, whatever. I'm not going to share that. I'm not going to be, I don't want to be intolerant. I want to be loving and accepting. And, but that's somewhere in the back of my mind, if I'm completely honest, you know, I think some people need a lockdown. They need to be locked down to to lose the access, the ready access. That's a good point. 
And, and in some of the programs, uh, I don't want to mention any names, but you know, there's a couple of really prominent ones here in San Francisco, and okay. uh, one of them they do put you on lockdown for 30, sometimes 60 wow. days, and, and you know, no access to phones or the internet. Um, I think supervised access to the internet to send email to your family, um, but no going outside. Uh, you know, you're pretty much just confined to quarters, and then. You know, then they let you off it, and boom, you can go out to meetings for a couple of hours. It's neat. Right. Yeah. No, when you mentioned that, actually, I think to myself, like, I could definitely, I mean, even today in my life, or irrespective of sobriety, I could use a lockdown where I'm not glued to my phone. So <laughs> I, I see great benefits for that uh re or, from recovery or otherwise about being present and connecting with what matters and not having distractions and not being around unsafe environments. So you make a good case there. Yeah. Where's your willpower, son? Oh, man. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Whoever, whoever and wherever you are out there, you got to watch this John Oliver thing. And Pegasus, you got to watch it. Uh, because he also has this hilarious ad from the 1980s with a very young Brandy Carlisle saying that she just... Just quit. I just quit. And then he comments that like after the ad, she was like on coke for 20 years <laughs> and, and was like, I'm surprised I didn't lose my nose. I'm just like horribly, you know, paraphrasing Ouch. or not so horribly paraphrasing John Oliver's like, I'm not even into his show, but I love that because I love the topic. But uh, yeah, being on lockdown, I can see that I mean, from my own personal experience. I mean, I do share on rare occasion that my ex my quote rehab type experience or lockdown experience was that my dad played the the biggest role um i had a lot of support from some friends sisters some friends where i was and and definitely um an inner circle sort of tight-knit group that was really helping me out when i hit bottom and tr was trying to get my act together and um in a very you know yeah desperate situation and had to really be yeah yeah anyways but my dad was like the biggest part of that and really like my dad was my lockdown and rehab he was like my warden um he kept his eyes on me 24 7 mm. for i think a week to 10 days maybe up to 10 days 24 7 i mean we slept in the same room he ch chaperoned me to he came he took me to my first meet my first uh, one two three four meetings and uh, he didn't know anything about what was going on, but it was advised to us. So he brought me to that. I would go for a swim. Hydrotherapy. I was going <laughs> for a swim because I love that. And he took me to the pool and stayed there. And he was just like, I'm not letting you out of my sight. And I suppose it was unspoken. But now learning about this condition and the solution and the problem, I look back and I think like, dude, I would have dr drank. You know, oh, yeah. that was my yeah. rehab, you know, uh, and we couldn't afford it. You know, he looked into it because he thought he might have to go back from work. He didn't know how much time he could take off from work to look out for me. Mm -hmm. And so he did research it. And he was like, I think he found something that I don't know what the duration was, but it was like $10,000. And he's like, oh, dude, we can't afford that. <laughs> so so he's like, all right, I just talked to my boss and I got 10 days and 10 days off work. And, and, and then we're going to figure out your stuff. And we did, and then I actually moved back home in with them, which was, that was my sober living environment because my parents don't really drink.
Oh, your parents don't party. Uh, they definitely don't. Uh, they have never partied. Really? <laughs> um, I mean, I think my dad in his youth, I shouldn't say that. My dad in his youth before like marriage and family, I, I'm sure he had fun like with his family, brothers, cousins, um, and, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Like maybe having some smokes, drinking, whatever. But, um, but he like, yeah, I've never seen, I suppose I've seen him party at weddings like, enjoying dancing and stuff like that but i'm not even sure that he would have been one drink deep at those weddings so it was a really safe environment for me so no it's actually interesting musing about this topic that i think is controversial or this industry because that was my equivalent oh i see was sort of like my family uh looking out for me and bringing them back into the fold into the home and that was a safe environment and i stayed there for quite a while (laughs) like i was there for years Oh, is that right? Yeah, I was at home for years, and maybe I probably could have left after a year, (laughs) but... but Well, you took it seriously, it sounds like. Yeah, you know what? Your family took it seriously. That's great that you had that kind of support. Not everyone gets that. No, that's true. I have to be grateful for it, and absolutely true. You hear all kinds of horrendous situations that people have come from, and I just don't know how these people... The insurmountable odds, I don't know how these people are so courageous and get it and work hard and have that, you know, some people divine inspiration or self inspiration or inspiration from your, our fellows. Um, you know, people hit their bottom. Sometimes their families have had enough of them and they, they're just like, you're out, get out of here. And they realize, Oh, I'm at the end of my rope. I've got no, no support, no money, no family. I've got to figure something out here. And so out of desperation, people start getting it. Um, you know, that's basically the situation I was in is, uh, I, uh, I had hit bottom and wasn't, um, uh, you know, I kind of made myself, uh, un, undesirable, uh, to family and friends. And so I, <laughs> I needed to get, uh, I needed to figure it out on my own. And I, and I did, you know, sometimes we do that too. How about a little musical interlude? How is about this a uh, straight edge? Yeah, great. It's four, right? Yeah. yeah. Enjoy. We're going crazy. Oh, hey, guys. Massive attack. Oh, wait, minor threat. Minor threat. <laughs> Massive attack or minor threat? Ooh. So uh, we're back. Thanks for listening to that. That is the origination of Straight Edge, and thanks to my sister for introducing me to that, and thanks to Pegasus for confirming, um, because Pegasus lived through that. I also just want to... <laughs> my mom is texting me. She loves the show. She listens to it 
I hopefully she's not our one and only listener, but I suppose that would be fine because she just said, in addition to do not repeat one thing too many times, um, she did say, love you tons, mom, but nice topic. Both of you today, I admire the talk show. Very nice. Thumbs up emotic emoji. Cool. And she also said, this is like, I suppose emotional or I have to be grateful. She said, it has been therapeutic for myself listening to you guys because I'm learning a lot about, you know, the serious topic that you guys are covering. Um, so that's, uh, I won't, well, read, I won't read the rest of it. Mom. Shout out to Jay Quillen's ma. Yeah, that's Sh- cool. Shout out to Stephanie. Sh- oh, shoot. I'm blowing cover there. Oh uh, my God. Shout out to who? Uh, that was a shout out to model one, six, seven B. Sorry, one six seven eight, and uh, shout out to um, Madison, and shout out to Shadow Lady, Lady, Shadow Lady, and Bob. Bob, shout out to Bob. Bob, Um, Uh, uh, we're the only ones here tonight. And shout out to my friend in Austin, if she's listening. If you are listening, just as we talked earlier, uh, you might not be. It might be too late. The number to call in, friend from Austin. Who we may identify if you call in at your discretion. The number to call in is 415-550-0511. Call us and, uh, hey, talk to us about uh, your experiences with um, with uh, booze and the powdered booze and all that kind of stuff. I think we're down if we... That's are we still... The, that's where the high fish wine Oh, interesting. But then I think you we lose us. Then we're now we're gone. No, no, that's just that board. Oh, we're we're still on. Oh, great. Yeah, I mean, every show I've been listening to has has had this. I thought it was just us. It's. I wanted to talk to the station folks about that actually, um, but it's uh, bad wiring, I would say. Okay. Well, or, or some blown component in one of these ancient Altec Lansing thanks, Pegasus mixing boards. Well, I, at some point we got to hunt, hunt it down and eliminate the cause. Oh, you're um, right. That's great. Cause that controls. Yeah, I gotcha. Oh man. That is so good. Cause yeah, I've been listening to these. Um, I guess while music's playing, it doesn't, yeah, know, we, it doesn't matter as much. And we can just turn that, that, those sliders down when we're not listening to music, which is most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so, so we were talking rehab. No, just like, yeah. Support from family. Um, rehabs versus you know diy this was a diy rehab that's what that was that's basically what happened um cost effective diy bootstrapped rehab and i have to be grateful for it and i am not i have to be i am um and so that was something of interest and also i was um I've been hanging out in the, shall we switch gears a little bit or? Oh, I was just uh, flipping through a list of celebrity, celebrities that have gone through rehab and it's an entirely unsurprising list. Like, you know, names that you would expect to be on it are on it. (laughs) Dennis Rodman, Gary Busey, Heidi Fleiss, Jamie Foxworth, Jeff Conaway, uh, 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 Lisa D'Amato, Mackenzie Phillips. I mean, you know, people. This is this is public information, folks. Public information. <laughs> um, it's not like you have to engage in a 
a request for information. What is that called? Public information request that people have to do to the government when they want documents that are sealed. FOIA request? <laughs> yeah, something like Freedom, that. Freedom, oh, Freedom of, of Information. Information Act, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and that came up in John Oliver, too. Uh, he was saying that, like, it's very hard to access any complaints that have been made against rehabs and that, that you would actually, I'm taking him at his word, folks, again, that you would have to do that freedom of information, whatever request, and wait months to get all these documents and sift through them to find out, you know, any negative experiences people have had or reported. Uh, um, I'm taking him at his word. Oh, from the FDA or something along those lines? F SIPC, F... FINRA, <laughs> like all these SIPC, uh, what, FDIC. Well, you know, they're a comedy. John Oliver is a comedy program, but they they do actual journalism and research. And it's, a, you know, sometimes they, I mean, it's they always dig up something funny, but it's also sad and depressing news as well. But they, they do their research. They dig and they, they come up with stuff and they... Uh, I don't know that they've ever been involved in a, a lawsuit over a FOIA request that was denied by the government, but it wouldn't surprise me to learn that they got had. it. Okay. Okay. Anyways, uh, what are we shifting gears? to? Oh, well, I was going to say, I'm just thinking about basically like what's been on my mind or what I've been up to recently. And, um, inevitably guys, it all relates to recovery, <laughs> everything, um, my whole hey, my whole life is predicated on recovery. Um, so I uh, I've been what's all the commotion out there? Hey, it's probably it's probably a bunch of drugs. <laughs> like um, it's but, Friday night in the mission district. It's Friday night. Na, 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 na. What a night. <laughs> um, so I was uh, I've been nights. hanging out in the TL weekly doing some uh, community service. Tooting my horn, toot toot. Um, Oh yeah. You know what? I'm I'm actually going to say that I think it's good to some people are like community service volunteer toot your horn shamers and I actually think that like if you don't if you're not too pompous about it or really at all but you're sharing it um with people when it's relevant that it's actually good because you may actually inspire other people to engage in community service. Cause in this, in San Francisco, I mean, well, anywhere, but well, maybe not anywhere. I mean, San Francisco, we have a big drug problem. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the TL's like not looking that good. And I, I suppose it hasn't been for a long time. And I don't know, people say that it's all getting worse or whatever. I don't know. That's what I hear, but I'm hanging out there of late weekly and um i'm uh i'm starting to snap some photos as well just just happened organically so i think i'm just going to continue doing that um just uh engaging in my observations musings sharing that um maybe on on social media or with friends and stuff because it's just giving me some pause but it's, it's interesting to see all the stuff that's going on and there's like there's hella hip coffee shops in the tl there's great restaurants. There's also people hunched over sleeping on the sidewalk. There's at least a couple 24-hour diners in, okay. in the TL. Well, in, I guess the Tender Knob. Oh, really? Um, yeah. There's the Pine. Oh, Pine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Oh yeah, I don't. Sorry, I don't remember. I didn't mean to cut you off. I don't remember the name, but I know that one. That's the one that's getting closer to like the quote hotel district yeah. in Square. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Night Owl or something is nearby. I think. Um, yes, I have been there once. Blast blitzed. Um, and uh, so yeah, so hanging out there, walking around, just spending some time. I went to um, last week when I was there for my commitment. I uh, I made the mistake of driving. It was a huge mistake huge mistake where would you park it yeah i parked it i found one space i was circling around for half an hour (laughs) and i found one space it was metered put money in the meter and it was only good for two hours so i stepped away from my commitment went to go repark the car spent another half hour looking for a spot and i ended up parking in the same spot (laughs) and i was like oh well if they chalk my tires i hope it rubbed away (laughs) i was just it got me thinking about like well how do they assess you know what? I, okay, so here's my question. Do now. they chalk tires anymore? Well, okay, I have a number of questions. If it says two hours only at this meter, right? I put the money, I moved it at two hours. Now, can I go park at another meter on the same block? Can I park in another meter on the same street? Can I circle around for half an hour and park at that same meter? You know what? I don't get. I don't get it for another two hours. Talk to a meter maid to find out. Lovely Rita, meter maid. Where would I be without you? Dee 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 do do da da dee dee dee. So um so then I made the mistake of parking, but that gave me some flexibility when I had some time after the commitment. I had some time on the meter, so I went to Shalimar, one of my favorite restaurants of all time. Um and man, walking through the TL, going to Shalimar, yeah, I got, saw all kinds of stuff. Um, there's a lot of community centers and, and outreach and stuff as well. You see that a lot of buildings, there's also like all kinds of crazy liquor stores, um, restaurants, obviously housing, all kinds of different housing, um, people do all kinds of different people on the street. I saw, I see, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised, but now having spent some, a couple months there weekly, I see drug dealing happening in broad daylight at all the at all these intersections oh yeah i'm seeing the guy i'm walking i'm walking past at the intersection with one guy who has a wad of cash in his hand and the other guy who just got the product right i'm just (laughs) walking between them just minding my own business you know it's it can be an open air drug mart there it's kind of amazing i mean depressing too it's, uh, yeah, there's some dedicated drug addicts living right there in the TL. But you know what? Talking to my mom, I've been talking to everybody about recovery and sobriety and addiction lately. Talking to my mom earlier today, she mentioned something interesting on, on that note. And that was, I was telling her about my experiences in the TL and she has some familiarity with it, but obviously she's like, I don't know. She's probably spent like an hour in the TL in her life, but, um, but um, she was saying, well, what about what about the truffle man in Dolores Park? You know, the truffle man in Dolores Park has Yelp reviews. He has like five stars on Yelp. He's a drug dealer. <laughs> you know, like, wait, truffles aren't drugs. No, these truffles are drug infused truffles. The, the truffle man is 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 uh, selling has been selling for a decade. As far as I know, um, drug truffles. uh Hey, I'm not saying I know from personal experience, okay? 
Oh, you're talking about uh, chocolate truffles. Not, yeah, like not the fungus. Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, ah. chocolate truffles that are infused with, well, perhaps psilocybin and perhaps uh-huh. mescaline and perhaps uh, MDMA and perhaps uh, THC. Um, well, if he has a positive Yelp review, then he has. Know. Like, guys, go look at the Truffle Man in Dolores Park 